0: But this was never confirmed and the men were never prosecuted as they were found beaten to death by a baseball bat on a deserted road after having been invited to Capone's house for dinner. On Thursday, February 14th, 1929, seven men were gunned down in cold blood in the back alleys of the Lincoln Park neighborhood of Chicago's North Side. The massacre happened as a result of the power struggle between two heavy hitters of organized crime in the area the Irish North Siders, captained by George Bugs Moran, and the Italian South Side Gang, run by Al Capone. Moran and Capone had both been vying for gainful control over the Chicago bootlegging gig, with Moran often muscling in on Capone's other dealings, such as the dog tracks, saloons, and the speakeasies that were under Capone's control and command. Moran also ordered hits on Jack McGurn, one of Capone's own lieutenants, and Unione Siciliano members, Pasquiliano Patsy Loroto, and Antonio the Scourge Lombardo. The setup was simple, convince Moran that Detroit's predominantly Jewish purple gang, which was tied to Capone, were looking to undercut the crime boss and sell two trucks worth of illegal Canadian whiskey to the Northsiders instead. The plan worked. The Irish Northsiders met at the designated garage on North Clark Street at 10.30am on Valentine's Day. They were all dressed in their Sunday best, as was the tradition. For a meeting such as this. Welcome back to Icarine Inc., where we dredge the depths of the horrific and hilarious in all their gore and glory. I am, as always, Micah. I'm Chelsea. And today we are talking about Valentine's Day. If anyone has heard of any of these stories, please let us know in the comments. If you learned something new in this episode, please let us know that too, because that's what we're all about. We're about finding the good stories, telling the good stories, and hopefully getting you guys something that you have never heard of before. So sit back, relax, hit that thumbs up button. We're just two nerdy authors who love telling stories, and this is Icker and Ink.
1: Two men, assumed at the time to be from the Purple Gang, dressed to the nines, entered first, followed by two uniformed Chicago police officers. The gangsters pulled Tommy guns with 50-round drum mags from beneath their coats as the officers pulled Remington 870 pump action shotguns. The Northsiders were directed to stand against the north wall of the garage and wait. The garage exploded in a cacophony of blast and bangs as the seven members of the Northsiders were executed. Before leaving, the assassins checked each body to identify Moran and the rest of his lieutenants. Among the slaughtered were Peter Gusenberg, a North Sider enforcer, Frank Gusenberg, Peter's brother and also an enforcer, Albert Kachelik, also known as James Clark, Moran's number two, Adam Heyer, bookkeeper and business manager for the Northsiders, Reinhardt Schwimmer, an optician who had abandoned his practice to gamble on horse racing and associate with the gang, Albert Weinshank, who covered business for Moran and held an uncanny resemblance to the Northsider boss and John May, the gang's mechanic. Not among the deceased were Moran and two of his top lieutenants. They were across the street at a coffee shop. You see, Moran had been running late and arrived at the garage at the same time as the uniformed officers. He and his men figured it was a sting and hid their faces as their Cadillac drove right on by the garage and parked across the street. The massacre did not take out its intended target, but it was enough to end the North Siders and give control of the entire Chicago organized crime operation to Capone.
0: To this day, the men that carried out the cold-blooded killings have never been identified or brought to justice. It is believed that Cosa Nostra hitmen, John Scalise, and Albert Anasalimi were involved and may have even been triggermen acting on the behest of Unione Siciliana President Joseph Guenta. But this was never confirmed and the men were never prosecuted as they were found beaten to death by a baseball bat on a deserted road After having been invited to Capone's house for dinner, get this, Capone had purchased a baseball bat earlier that day.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: The most popular theory is that this massacre was the doing of none other than Al Capone himself, aided by the corrupt Chicago Police Department that he had gained control over either through blackmail, threats of violence, or offers of a cut of the profit that he was making during this time of prohibition. Whether it was an act of vengeance, a pragmatic business dealing, or self-preservation, it was one of Capone's most infamous involvements. The garage that the massacre took place in is now a nursing home, and it is said that when it was demolished in 1967, a rich Canadian businessman named George Patey purchased the entire north wall that the victims were killed against and sold the bricks to various mob-related collectors and museums. Many of these bricks were returned to Patey as numerous owners began to experience rashes of extremely bad luck after purchasing or otherwise acquiring the stones. It is said that a large number of the bricks were purchased by an eccentric owner of a 20s-themed gangster club, He is said to have tiled the men's bathroom with them. And on opening night, a patron that had had too much to drink peed on the floor of the bathroom. The club burned down that night. What? So the main theory here is that on Bloody Valentine's Day, when those men were executed against that wall, you know, once the garage was torn or the wall was torn down, and uh, that gentleman purchased all the bricks. And I can understand that, you know, some of the bricks probably had, you know, uh, bullet holes in them and, and things like that and, and blood or whatever else, you know. So to a collector, this gangster memorabilia is probably, you know, a sought after item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So he purchased it all, sold them off, things like that. But people started returning them because they thought that the bricks were cursed. <laughs> One of the guys who bought a bunch of them tiled his, his bathroom floor with it. And apparently really pissed off, pun intended, pissed off whatever spirits are in these bricks because his entire bar burnt down that night. I mean, that's crazy.
1: I think that is absolutely fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I would it. say they're
1: cursed. I mean, I totally, 100%. Oh, yeah. The tragedy and the energy of the death. Yeah. 100%. Those bricks are cursed. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. not I mean, want my was, hands on those.
0: It was you know straight up execution you know, gangster style. Like yeah. they, you know, yeah. I mean, were they innocent? No, absolutely not. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure none of them were innocent, but it was, it was an execution. They, they weren't able to defend themselves. They were put against a wall and they were shot,
1: uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. So
0: there's, there's definitely some, some bad mojo there in the, in that area and in those bricks. I totally believe that.
1: I would not touch those bricks with my life. No, no. <laughs> God, no. I,
0: and I, I wouldn't even pee on them.
1: No, gosh. No. Did you know that Valentine's day was not a romantic holiday? and that the Valentine's Day as we all know and loathe it has nothing to do with St. Valentine at all? In fact, St. Valentine might have more to do with the bloody side of Valentine's Day than the romantic side. St. Valentine of Rome was a third century Roman saint. He has been associated with love and romance because he used to marry Christians and Romans alike in Christian marriage, while the Roman Empire was heavily persecuting those of the Christian faith. He was arrested and beheaded, martyred for his blasphemy on February 14th, which, from then on, was known as Saint Valentine's Day. But he is not the patron saint of love or romance, or even platonic relationships. He is the patron saint of epilepsy. As far as Saint Valentine is concerned, February 14th is associated with his martyrdom and has nothing to do with his patronage according to the oxford dictionary of saints the connection of lovers with saint valentine with all its consequences for the print and retail industries is one of the less likely results of the cult of the roman martyrs fast forward a thousand years yes a thousand years of february 14th saint valentine's days being a feast to commemorate come on Fast forward a thousand years. Yes, a thousand years of February 14th, St. Valentine's Days being a feast to commemorate and remember his martyrdom to 14th century English poet and Canterbury Tales author Geoffrey Chaucer. Chaucer was a medieval writer who was tasked to compose a marriage poem in honor of King Richard II and Anne of Bohemia's engagement. Chaucer performed his task flawlessly and, as ever was his way, He used birds to tell his tale instead of humans. The Parliament of Fowls was well received and struck such a chord that the day it was performed, February 14th, Valentine's Day, would forever after be associated with love and romance and marriage instead of a feast for a martyred saint. And that's not even the craziest thing we've got for you.
0: You're darn right that's not the craziest thing we've got. (laughs) Uh, so, I do think it's very interesting that, first of all, St. Valentine was never the saint of, of no. love or romance. Isn't that crazy? I,
1: I had zero idea, yeah. actually.
0: Yeah. So, he was the saint of all things Epilepsy. His history then turned from being the saint of epilepsy to being the saint of of love because of of what he was doing on the down low, which I think is pretty cool.
1: I mean, I respect that.
0: Yeah, I like I like rebels, so I, yeah. I you know, I think I think that's great. But the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, he was never never associated with love or romance. Then you know, we had a uh, Chaucer write that poem. And it, King Richard and, and Anna Bohemia ended up getting married on February 14th. So it all, it all just kind of, the pieces fall together. But people never, never really learn their history or go back and, and see how the pieces come together. So I, that's right. why I love the show. We're able to, and we don't do it every episode. Some episodes we just have fun. Some episodes we, we tell spooky stories. But some episodes we're able to really show people the pieces and how they come together. So I think that's cool.
1: I I absolutely love it. I love the fact that there is so much tied to Valentine's Day, even the cultural reference. Then you've got the gangsters. I mean, there's so much tied to that day in particular. And just to see the cultural influence over time, now it is a romantic day.
0: Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I love it. And speaking of romance, I promised you fertility whoopens. So we're about to get... We're about to get into my kind of romance.
1: Let's do it.
0: The, the naked kind. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it.
1: My God, dude.
0: It is widely believed that the actual origins of the Valentine's Day that we celebrate in modern times, the traditional gifts between lovers, romantic nonsense, actually originated from an ancient Roman tradition called Lupercalia. Lupercalia was a bloody and brutal tradition held between February 13th and February 15th, where the men of Rome would bear all, get butt-frickin'-naked, sacrifice goats and even dogs, then bathe in their blood and take the hides of those sacrificed animals on a hunt, though they would not be hunting beasts or prey. So they're butt-naked, covered in the blood of goats and dogs, they take the hides of these sacrificed animals, and they go hunting but not for beast of prey, they'd be hunting women. They would beat the women with the skins of the sacrifices in an effort to implore the spirits of cleanliness and fertility to bless them. That is the craziest, most messed up thing about Valentine's Day, and most likely where Valentine's Day actually came from. So remember that the next time your significant other wants you to go all out on Valentine's Day. You gonna get what you asked for. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks, yo. Valentine's Day equals Lupercalia. So next time Amanda wants me to celebrate Valentine's Day, I'ma go I'ma go kill Sam. I'ma take his skins, rub them all over my body, butt naked, and then I'ma go whoop her. Oh and then I'm gonna god. tell her to do the dishes and make me a dang sandwich. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day.
1: Best origin story I have heard. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that is uh, epic.
0: It's pretty freaking epic. So overall, fun story. I wanted to make sure we got this one in on Valentine's Day week. Absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of people may have heard of Bloody Valentine Day, uh, but maybe didn't know exactly how it went down, and maybe didn't know that there was a supernatural tie to it. I think that's really cool, and a oh, lot of absolutely. people may not. Yeah, may not have known that. And then, of course, you know, we had to get down to the, get get into some history, but then then we really needed to talk about Lupercalia because that's what's up.
1: Of course, of course. The next year on February 14th, I will not look at the day the same. And I want to appreciate, I want to thank you, Micah, for sharing that information because now I think Valentine's Day might be a cool day.
0: Darn right. And that does it for this chapter of and Inc. We hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel. If you want more content like this, hit the bell to be notified when new content drops, which is at least twice a week. Do you have a suggestion or a creepy story to share? email us at ichorandinkpodcast at gmail.com and remember to tell us if you want your name mentioned or if you would like to remain anonymous shout out to our girl michelle piper at mpiper underscore rights on instagram she is supporting us financially and receiving all kinds of goodies as our way of saying thank you she is one of us and you could be too merch is a thing patreon is a thing we truly thank you all for joining us each and every week please like and subscribe leave us a review if you're listening reviews help bring in other cult members and until next time I have been Micah.
1: I've been Chelsea.
0: And together we have been Iker and Inc. And you have been a beautiful audience. A good night.
1: Good night.